The reading is taken from the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 2, beginning at verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. The child's mother and father marveled at what was said about him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning and a happy Christmas or happy new year to you. I'm never quite sure what one should say at this in-between time. And I'm very reliant on um, Will with the PowerPoint, but we're looking at this story today of Jesus being taken to the temple in Jerusalem. And we're looking at the significant place, the temple, the significant people, Mary, Joseph, Simeon, and of course, Jesus, and the promise that is fulfilled. So three So here's a lovely picture, and Mary and Joseph go to the temple in Jerusalem. Now, I'm wondering where they set off from, because if you look at the next slide, you can see there's Nazareth to Beth Jerusalem. They lived in Nazareth, but of course we know from Matthew's gospel that they had gone to Egypt. And it would be about 40 days after the birth of Jesus. So whether they were back in Nazareth or whether they were still in Egypt, we don't know. And it's about 146 kilometers from Bethlehem, no, from Jerusalem to Nazareth, which is about as far as Stoke-on-Trent from Oxford, if you know where that is. And if you went by donkey and foot, that would be a good New Year's Day walk tomorrow, one I don't recommend. Anyway, but you, they may have come from Egypt because Matthew tells us that they had fled to Egypt. So they'd gone to the temple. Now that is very important. There's only one temple, many synagogues, but only one temple. And that temple is the center point of the Jewish faith. And if we look at the next couple of slides, you can see the pictures of the temple there. 
And uh, you can see it's just located outside of Jerusalem. And if we go to the next one, you can see there's a picture, the next one, of them taking in that cage. Who can see what there's in that cage? Anyone see what it is? Yes? A dove, yeah, a little turtle dove. I don't really know what a turtle dove is. I know what a turtle is, and I know what a dove is, and I don't know what a turtle dove is. Um, and they're going because the law says to redeem a, four, uh, a, a boy, you need to pay five shekels, although there's no mention of that, and take either a lamb if you're, if you're wealthy or if you're poor, this turtle dove. So I don't know how they catch it or whether there's a market in second-hand turtle doves or quite how it works. But they go to Jerusalem and they pitch up at the temple. Now, of course, there's echoes in this of Hannah presenting Simeon, uh, no, Samuel at the temple. And for the adults, you might ponder that Simeon, who sees Christ, that word is a diminutive of Samuel that means God has heard So here we go. So the place we're thinking about, the temple, very, very significant that Simeon recognizes Jesus as the bearer of salvation in the temple. Now, of course, for the adults thinking about it, we know the temple was destroyed in AD 70. And if Luke's gospel is about 85, give or take 10 years either side, it's very interesting because all groups have to define themselves. What does the temple mean? And this is a statement that Jesus fulfills the temple and is God's presence with his people. So if we look at the next one, it says that the hope of Israel was that God would return to his people after the time of the exile and that this was the place where God met with his people and where, of course, the sacrifices took place and the law of Moses were fulfilled. Now, the temple is a very interesting building. If we look at the next one, there's various courts and they go. This is very significant. The word in the Greek is not to the holy of holy place. They go, of course, they go to the outside bit because Mary is impure, and she's a woman. So they go to the outside area, and that's the area where anyone can go. And there's immense significance in that, as we all see. So the next one shows us that Simeon recognizes Jesus as the bearer of salvation in this court where anyone can be. So salvation, not just for the Jewish people now, but as we'll see, a light for all. So if you flick on to the next one, the text tells us this is about the person. The person we're looking at is Simeon. I don't know whether he looked like that. He looks like he could have had a role of Father Christmas in sort of John Lewis, doesn't he? Do they have Father Christmas in John Lewis? No. Okay. So he was described as being righteous and godly. And this rather strange phrase, looking for the consolation of Israel. I wonder what you think that means, the consolation of Israel. Well, if you look back, the adults can look up 
Passages like Isaiah 40, it's page 730-something. If you look at Isaiah 49, page 735, Isaiah 49, look at that, read that through the first few pages. If you like, Isaiah 61, so Isaiah 40, Isaiah 61, Isaiah 49, all of those. The consolation of Israel, what does it mean? And I've lost my place in my notes, so I can't remember what it means. But anyway, I can tell you what it means somewhere. I'm I'm ahead of myself, that's why. Um, It's really that God's salvation was coming. And as we will see, it comes to the Gentiles as well as to the Jewish people. That's always part of the deal. So in this new baby, we see Simeon recognizes by the Holy Spirit that Jesus is this bearer of salvation. And I wonder what you think this means. Simeon, the Holy Spirit was upon him. It's before Pentecost. Let's have the next slide. What does it mean? He's guided to turn up at the temple. Now, it seems to me this is a private sort of meeting by chance. Simeon is not a temple official as far as we can see. Nothing to indicate he's ordained. He's there. And there's this encounter in the courts that has immense significance. But it seems to me that it seems semi-private or completely private. So the Holy Spirit is on Simeon. What does that mean? Does it mean that he was praying and he felt a sense, I should go to the temple today? We don't know where Simeon lived. We don't know whether he was just around the corner or whether he was miles away. But it says... He was prompted by God's Spirit to go. And then he prays. Let's have the next. And he takes the child in his arms and he blesses God. He doesn't bless the child. He's blessing God. And he says that, Lord, let your servant depart in peace, for I have seen your salvation. I have seen at this moment in time. Now, that's immensely significant. The salvation is embodied in the child of Christ, and we know it's a light to lighten the Gentiles. That's many of us here are Gentiles. Some of us may be Jewish, but many of us are Gentiles. And glory for Israel. And Simeon knew that those Old Testament scriptures, if you look to Isaiah 49, I think it's verse 6, talks about the one coming who will be for the Gentiles as well, a light. So it's a twofold revelation. The new age, if you like, has dawned, and we see the new covenant both coming in continuity with the old and also being radically altering the old covenant. So if we go on, we know that the people of Israel were waiting. They were waiting, waiting, waiting. There's sort of a nice sort of waiting and a miserable sort of waiting, isn't there? Most of us, I expect, were waiting somewhere because the weather was bad in recent weeks. Maybe we were in a traffic jam. Maybe we were waiting for the snow to stop or start, depending on our age. And that's the miserable sort of waiting. Then there's the happy sort of waiting, waiting for the person you like to call round, the person you haven't seen, the happy sort. This is a sort of an expectant waiting. And 
Those Isaiah passages, Isaiah 40, 49, 61, talk about waiting for God's salvation to come and for Israel to be restored. And this was a very important point. They were waiting for the redemption of Israel. Now, I don't know quite why the readings, uh, the set reading that was, uh, the passage that was set today, A, missed off Anna, and B, missed off the bit about the sword piercing Mary's heart, the end of that part. But Anna, who's also in the temple, is a woman, obviously, it says at the end of that, this child is there for the redemption or restoration of Israel. That's a very key point of the story there. So if we move on, we see that Simon sees salvation. Move on one more. It seemed that he knew many scriptures. It doesn't say that, but it does say in the Nunc Dimittis, as we say, according to your word. So it sort of seems obvious that Simeon knew the Old Testament scriptures. And that, Isaiah 49 says this, I will give you as a light to the nations that my salvation goes to the ends of the earth. I wonder who here has come from the furthest place. If you think you may be the person from the furthest part, place furthest from Oxford, could you shout out where you've come from? Yeah? Sorry? I can't hear. California. Anyone further than California? No? Well, there we go. To the ends of the earth. There's even people, we know there are people who are Christian as far as California. As hard as that might seem to believe. But there we go. We see this promise is fulfilled. And if we look at the next one, this is the bit that wasn't there in the reading. But this is really important because Simeon also says that this child is going to cause controversy, if you like. It's going to be something that brings sorrow for Mary. A sword will pierce your heart. Well, I don't do a lot of visiting of babies in a maternity home, but I suppose they don't even have maternity homes now, do they? But if I did, if I turned up and I said to, to, the babe, to the mother, well, you know, this child's going to pierce your heart. I can't see it's going to go down very well as a pastoral visit. But that's there, isn't it? This child is set for the fall, and the fall comes first, and the rising of many. And it goes on and says that the sword will pierce the heart of Mary. So it says quite a lot about how Simeon understood this child of Jesus. Jesus is coming. There's the redemption there. The redemption that is recognized with Anna, who comes next on the scene in the text. But the key point is the next one, that Simeon realizes that God has fulfilled his salvation in the coming of Jesus and the significance is that this has taken place, the next one, in the temple. The continuity where God was going to be present with his people, where the Jewish people met and worshipped. So the key point is that Simeon recognizes Jesus 
because the Holy Spirit has given him this insight, so the Holy Spirit, that inner leading, if you like, of God's Spirit, that has come and said to him, yes, all those Old Testament scriptures that you understand, they are fulfilled in this baby. And that they've come to the temple because there's a continuity in God's purpose. And the continuity of God's purpose actually means salvation not just for the Jewish people, but for all peoples. So we have in in conclusion the last one, Simeon, the significant person. The temple, the significant place, and the significant promise. And the applications, well, there are many applications. Can we have the next one? Actually, I wrote that, and then I thought that sounds a bit strange, really, a bit wordy. But what I meant was everything that there is around us is to be judged in relation to Christ. Because the coming of Christ into the temple is the event of history, if you like, along with the crucifixion and resurrection. But it's a really key point. A new age has dawned. And so all our decisions, if you like, need to be made in the light of that. How we view the world, which must be something on the hearts of us all. The world is in a state that most of us gives rise to a great deal of anxiety. How we view the world needs to be in relation to this event. God in the person of Christ has come. All meaning needs to be measured against Jesus Christ, the beginning, as it was in that one of the songs, and the end, the Alpha, the Omega. And the second thing is, and this is the last thing, I think it's very interesting to ponder how God works. He doesn't come to the center of the temple. I don't know how many people witnessed Simeon. Maybe not many. It's quiet, very often on the sidelines where God works. It doesn't look very showy or impressive. But it is very earthly. So I think there's a challenge. How do we see our situation in the world? We may think the spiritual life is some sort of otherworldly meditation, altered consciousness. But actually, this is about everyday events. It's about Mary and Joseph taking a pigeon or whatever it is, a dove, buying their turtle dove, the ordinary event, buying something, taking it to the temple. It's very earthly, and it's very ordinary, and that is the arena in which God chooses to work, the everyday, the ordinary. So I think as we pray and we think about situations that perhaps we don't think we can pray for because they're too ordinary, we need to think back to the situation. And as we pray and seek God's bearing, we pray for God to guide us in the ordinary events of our lives. So the challenge, I think, is the next one. This is the last one. Simeon watched and he waited. That's where his hope was, waiting for God to fulfill his promise. And we are called as Christians to watch and to wait. 
And the challenge really, I think, for most of us is to set aside time and space for that prayer, that meditation on God's word. It requires to watch and wait a commitment of our will, maybe to get up early. It's to ask God at the start of each day to direct our ways. An old lady once said to me something that was very helpful. I think I was about 20, and I just had my lovely black Labrador put to sleep because he was poorly. And I said to this very godly lady, I wondered whether I did the right thing or whether I should have waited. And she said this, at the beginning of the day, you pray that God directs what you do, and then you trust God. And I always thought that's so helpful, 30 years on, the beginning of the day, we pray that our doings may be ordered by our governance. This marvelous prayer, the Book of Common Prayer. If you haven't read the Book of Common Prayer, you really must, and the prayers are wonderful. This is the third collect. That's the third prayer in the morning, the morning prayer. Grant this day we fall not into sin, nor run into any danger, but that all our doings may be ordered by thy governance to do that which is righteous. It's a wonderful prayer, but to pray for all our everyday doings to be ordered by God, because I think that's what it means. Simeon was guided by the Holy Spirit to be open, to ask God to direct us every day. So may God help us this day, and I wish you all a very happy new year as well.